So I want you to open up your Bibles in 1 Kings chapter number 13, verses 11. 1 uh, Kings, let's see. 1 Kings. You have Samuel. Samuel, 2 Samuel. It's a long portion of text, but I think it's, it's something that I really don't find many sermons preached on. But in this portion of text, you'll see communicated by God a profound um, principle, I think, as it relates to your walk with God, that God is just and he is holy. And being used of God is, is an amazing thing, but it becomes, it also holds within it a large portion of responsibility for yourself. You, you can't serve God and be used of God. And, and I find it strange that there are Christians who think that they can be Christian and not want to be used by God. And what would that look like if God were to knock on your door and say, I have a job for you? Uh, historically, I think there's been many, many, many mistakes made in the church where people think that only the pastor is used by God and that you do the small, uh, small tasks, things that are of no consequence, that, that is not really seen and doesn't carry much. But much of the thinking in the Christian world did not come from the pastors, it comes from the community of Christians who inaccurately convey truths to their children around dinner tables, with slander, with misunderstandings. These things, we are all in the service of God. We are all in the body of Christ. And for that reason, we are to be available, to be used of God. Now with that responsibility, it's very difficult to be, the word employed is wrong, but to be employed by God, you have to follow the rules of employment. God has a way that he wants certain things done. We don't tell, now that, that I own, or that I have employees, my employees doesn't tell me how they think I should do it. I tell them how I want it to be done. It's very seldom that you'll have an employee tell their superior how they think it should be done. Well, I think nowadays you do have it often, but it doesn't work out well. You can't tell the CEO or the owner of the company how he should run his business. The response would normally be, when you do yours, do yours the way you want to do it. So there is a way that things needs to be done. And... And God is a just and a holy God. And so let's see if we can extract from this portion of text, or this chapter at least, some truths that could guide us in our response to God. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. A man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out, a man of God. So we don't get... This man of God's name, we only hear a man of God. God is less interested in your name in the sense that he is not building your, your uh, empire for you. He is not trying to establish your name. He is trying to establish Jesus' name because you don't get to heaven by your name. And I understand ministries and, and 
companies all registered under a name as long as you know that your name should still be submitted to the name of Jesus Christ. Because if I were to put my name outside this building, none of you would get to heaven. It doesn't have the traction to get you anywhere. It is the name of Jesus Christ that does it. So we are introduced merely as, as to the descriptor of this man, a man of God. That we all should be first men of God rather than have a name and not God. Behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. It implies that this no-named, unnamed man could hear God by the word of God. He, he hasn't established himself yet. We have no name for him. Yet he is in a place where he hears the voice of God. There are many people who are hidden, but he is God. So we have this guy, and he stood by the altar to burn incense. Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn it. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. And so this prophet doesn't come and cries out against the, the, this Jeroboam. He cries out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then his hand which he stretched out towards him withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Now let's just pause there for a second. You have an unknown man who hears the word of God goes up to this altar where the king is burning incense. Not that that's the problem, but there's this false god worship. There's a lot of things that's wrong in Jeroboam's life. It's not the context of the story or the purpose of it uh, for this message. And this prophet is, is, is saying to this altar, on you men's bones shall be poured out. And as a sign to this, you shall split open. So we have an unknown prophet that is making a very radical statement to a king. He gets to speak to a king. Just by the way, if anybody here believes that the church should not be involved in politics, Jesus spent a lot of time talking to politicians in the Bible. He wasn't just talking to fishermen. So here you have a prophet speaking to a king. The king is standing there burning incense. The king feels violated in the sense that you have this young man who is not even recognized in that region as its prophet. He was sent from uh, to Bethel from, uh, where did he come from? In the first verse, Judah. So he comes down from Judah to Bethel. He's not even from that region. He's standing there. He says to this king, what you're doing is wrong. And on this altar, this altar will split open. So the king in his authority looks at that and says, you don't talk to me like that. And he stretches out his hand towards that man to say, arrest him. And the moment he does that, his hand withers. So, you, so that's quite wild. You would expect that from people that are the, the guys that are well-known preachers maybe to have authority when they prophesy or they say a thing that God is involved. You, you have an unknown man and God is protecting him against the most powerful man in that region. He stretches out. So at this moment, this young prophet is still within 
his domain of influence. And within this domain of influence, God is protecting him. The king puts out his hand towards him and his hand stiffens up to the extent that he can't pull it back. That's an amazing thing. I, I want to live in the grace of God where I'm so about God's business and dead to myself that when God speaks a thing, it comes to pass. And then when, when you live like that, the threats against you are minimal and never stick. We, we are told in Ephesians that we should put on the whole armor of God, which of which one is them to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. We should as Christians be so aware and um, attend to God's presence in our lives. That whatever the enemy shoots at you doesn't stick to you. But many Christians don't like the suffering part. They don't like the, the outfall of you speaking your, the, the, the truth of God in love. And this man is speaking God's word and the king points his hand at him and his hand. That's amazing. If you can be there where God protects you in that way. I wonder how many fiery darts you never even see coming because of the grace of God that is in your life. And so it was as the king Jerome heard the saying of the man who cried out against the altar at Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying arrest him. Then his hand which he stretched out towards him withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. And the altar was so split apart, uh, was split apart. So the sign happens. The altar was split apart and ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, please entreat me the favor of your Lord, the, of the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of, of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and he became as before. And the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go with you. Now the reason um, is that, that this prophet cried out against this altar is, is in, in chapter number 12. You can read the whole story there. But it says, let's read verse 25. It says, Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and he dwelt there. Also he went out of there and built Paniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kings may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, then the hearts of this people will turn back to their Lord. He, he wanted them to not return their hearts to God. He was building golden calves for them to stay in Bethel. That's why this prophet was there. So this king... What's the story? You have a young prophet who is not known, which tells me that all of us qualify to be used of God. And so he speaks the word of God. God responds to his word. He says, this altar will split. The altar splits. The king threatens him and the arm of the king that he stretched out stiffens up that he can't pull it back. Now the same king who threatened him has to now ask him to help him. The same people who judge you will later in your life, if you are consistent in your walk with God, ask you to pray for them. Because storms are coming and when you're in a storm alone, you'll take any help you'll get. And when you have Christians around you who know Jesus, the same people who spoke about you around their dinner tables will be the ones saying to you, oh, just pray for me. 
And so this, this, this man of God prays for the king. His arm is restored. And this king who is, has built altars so that the people don't return to their Lord, Jer Jerusalem being the center of all activity, spiritual activity for the Israelites, even uh, Judah, he didn't want them to return to Jerusalem. And so he is taking God's people. Even this is the evil that he did. And now this evil man, you have a prophet. He says to him, stop what you're doing is wrong. So, so God splits the altar, his hand withers. This is God saying to him, listen, Jeroboam, what you're doing is wrong. God didn't kill him, which means that he still has grace to change. God is expecting Jeroboam to change. Now the king says to him, as a reward prophet, come to my house and let me treat you. Let me give you some food to eat. Let me give you some, uh, some um, resources. How can I bless you? And he, now this is what goes wrong is that if you are sent by God and if you're used by God, God is your source. And oftentimes in our service of God, we think that which we serve is our source. Okay. All right. I would not be able to preach the word of God accurately if I was under the impression that you employ me. The church here, Unite 180. You don't employ me. You pay me a salary. And if you take it back, I'll still do what I do because you don't employ me. If you were to employ me, you could determine what I have to say. And most people in use of God is so concerned that when they stand up for God and speak out a thing against the things that are not of God, they will lose their resource in life. We call that a career limiting move because we consider people have the ability to limit your career. And to some degree it does, but you have to determine which one do you value more. And so he says to the king, I just told you you're, you're wrong, you're sinful, you're, you're hurting God's people. You're being judged by God because the altar is being split open is God saying, I don't receive what you offer. I reject your offer, Cain and Abel. I reject your offer. Your offer is not right. It's defiled. I don't want your offer. Your offer is not to me. And he splits, it, it speaks of God's judgment. And now the same guy says, let me give you something. It's funny that we can judge something, but eat from the same hand. And so this, this prophet says to him, I'm not coming to your house. I can't come to your house. Even if you were to give me, let me see where it says that. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread, nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded to me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. So the word of the Lord says to him, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return the same way. So, so, so it tells me that God's instruction is in no way not clear. You have many Christians who are in the opinion that ask, what should I do? What should I do? It's very clear in the word of God. But we don't like what God tells us to do. We want more extravagant things for God. God says, do good. No, I don't want to do good. I want to be known. I, I mean, God, I want to be used. God says, love your neighbor. No, I don't mean, what should I do? Like simple things like that, that no one sees and can give me recognition for. I want to have a calling where I get to speak to kings. 
That's what we want to hear from. In no way is this prophet not heard the word of God. And in no way does anyone in this room not have access to a Bible. There is no person in this room that doesn't have access to a Bible. Just like every student has access to a math handbook when you go to school. And yet we get different grades, don't we? Is that not the truth? Not everybody's course is high as me. <laughs> I'm kidding. There are people in this room that understands math good, well and proper. And then there are people who understand it good enough to make a living. And then there are people who thought, why would I need math? He's now asking the math guy for a job. Um, we had science books. It's a thick book in school that would tell you exactly what it, and we got different grades. We have different results in our prayers, but we don't understand why. You never read the manual. I'm going to just use this analogy. It's working out very well for me. I was in the math class. I had the teacher tell me about the math. I never read the manual because I thought the teacher telling me was enough. That's a very good analogy. You're in church. You have the pastor tell you about the manual. That should be good enough. That's why when you pray, nothing happens. You should read the manual. This man of God heard the word of God to the detail that you should not eat bread. Don't drink their water and don't go home in the same way that you came there. God says, don't eat nothing. So the king says to him, the first thing the king tempts him with is come to my house, let's eat something. Come to my house, let's eat together. What, what is the exact words? He says to him, the king says to him, so the man of God entered the Lord, the king's hand was restored. The king said to the man, come with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. Come with me, refresh yourself. You've got a long journey back. This is where recognition now begins for this young man. So you have the struggle that we all have with life, right? I'm taking too long. We have the struggle that happens with life. He is not recognized, but he is, has authority. When he prays, something happens, but no one knows yet. He is in hiding because God, he is David with the sheep. He can take on a giant, but the king doesn't know. He can take on a bear and a lion, but his father and his brother is not privy to that information yet. He is David learning how to shepherd the sheep. And so he has an opportunity to establish himself. This is an opportunity to, to switch from unknown prophet to whatever his name is, prophet in Judah. The king is inviting him to his house. Do you think the rest of Judah wouldn't know? But God says to him, it's either me or them. It's either recognition or me. You don't eat with them. You don't drink their water and you don't even go the same way back. He doesn't have all the information. This young prophet, he doesn't have a New Testament Bible because in the New Testament, it says here in, in, in um, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he hasn't met Peter yet, but in 1 Peter he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, 
the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may devour, resist him. You don't have to resist what you're in agreement with. You can't resist what you're in agreement with. Resist is the opposite of default. You, you, To go with gravity, you, have no, you know, have no need of resistance. To go against gravity, you have to resist the, the law of gravity. It's in the same way he says, resist the devil. It's you to come in line with the devil takes no effort. But to go against him takes all your effort. So this, 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 the Bible teaches us, says, your, your adversary... One Peter is writing that to us. If he wasn't writing that to us, why is it in the Bible and relevant? The Bible is not a history book. He's not giving us history lessons. It's not a history book. The Bible is telling us how to live. He says, your adversary walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Watch it. Seeking who may be devoured. Resist them, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. He walks around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil takes no holidays. In fact, he loves our holidays. He loves it when you rest from your faith. When you, he says, come to my house, Refresh yourself. The devil loves it when you take a break to refresh. The reason I brought you this message is because the devil has no break in between your ups and downs. In fact, he, 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 why am I lacking language? He capitalizes. Yes. On your down moments. And you don't see him in the shadows. He hides himself in simple everyday life routines. He says to this prophet, don't eat their bread. The bread's not the problem. It's their bread that's a problem. Don't eat their bread. Don't drink their water. And when you go home, don't go the same way because the devil knows your routine. Don't go the same way because he knows how you do a thing. And the more he pays attention and how you take your, your, your breaks in your spirituality, how you skip a thing, how you walk into the office and notices your secretary. He sees that small, there's nothing wrong there, but he notices your flesh, your flesh shine through. Most teenagers climb into a bed after 10 at night. Loses their virginity after 10. That's when they're at the weakest. Don't think the devil gets tired after 10 like you. Your resistance gets weaker, but he is on the prowl after 10. How's the devil looking at your life, taking a small break, going, but no one will notice. And God has a command to this unknown prophet, remain unknown. Remain unknown because if you're unknown, you are known. But we don't want to be known by God. We want to be known by men. 
We want their recognition. We want their approval. We want them to be in agreement with us. And we've done the job now. God says, what you've made a judgment against, don't dine with it. You've just spoken judgment against this man's altar. How will you go and eat with him now? God says, don't eat with them. You've spoken the judgment. When you go home, don't even take the chance of going the same way back because someone may have noticed you. I, God's instruction to this young man is, I don't want you to be noticed. Some of us want to be noticed a little bit too much. It's maybe in, maybe being unnoticed is God's protection. God says, I don't want you to be noticed. Don't go the same way back because someone, routine is established. No, if I go to a restaurant once, no one knows me. But if I eat there often, the waiters begin to greet me. Hey, pastor, how do you know I'm a pastor? I see you come here often. I ask someone who you are. Don't go the same way. I don't want you to be known. Because if I wanted you to be known, I would have introduced you by name. Because he wants this king maybe to learn a lesson that an unknown prophet could bring judgment to a gain. Don't think king that because you're king, you're something. I can have a nobody tell you that you're not king. I made you king and I can take the kingship from you just like that. But don't think that this unknown prophet wasn't known by God because it is in the signs that he is well known by God and that God's eyes are on him even while people's eyes are not on him. And he walks back and he says to this king, he says, he, he makes a judgment and says, now I can't dine with what I've just judged. That doesn't work for me. God says, I need you. Just imagine, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm camping out here. Maybe I'm not saying it well enough. The reason um, this message is important to me is because we underestimate the devil's capacity to destroy your future. We underestimate the devil's ability to hide himself in your routine. We underestimate the devil's ability to infiltrate your marriage. We underestimate the devil's ability to destroy your children. You think it's just a friend hanging out with your children. It might be the devil slipping in to the routine that you call natural. I had to bring you this message because I want to tell you, give the devil, the title is no place. Give the devil no place. Give the devil no place. Give the devil no place, no place. All these international preachers that have come into a fall is because of a small gap that they gave the devil. You need to, every single night I go down the stairs because my family has an, a specific ability to forget to close windows. Maybe it's not my family, maybe it's the people cleaning my house, but my windows are always open, but they're never wide open. They're always just this much. But a window this much open is still open. And if I, were, if I lock myself out of my house, I just need a window this much open. How many of us are leaving just this much of a gap for the devil to come into your world and destroy your life? If you were to think back at your, those that are a little bit older in your 18 years of age, the first time you may have gone out to get drunk. If just that one night you weren't there. 
Young girls who go out and the first time they sleep with someone, if they had just not been there that night, if they listened to their parents and said, don't go sleep over just that one night, that one gap may have not, he is waiting in your routine because one or other time you're going to make a mistake and all the variables will be in place and you'll be at your weakest. A window open this much. How much does it get? How much does it take for a thief to get in? I saw this funny meme. The people were in Africa. And he had an American explain to us about our nature. They're asking this American guy about how lions work. And my mouth was just hanging open. South Africans asking this American how to survive in an African safari. So you have this guy with his gun running out. He says, back up, the lions are coming. Back up, the lions are coming. Have you seen these videos where the, 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 the lepers climb over into the car? That's dumb. But fine, that's, do it. You'll just sit there and then you won't have a head. And it, it'll be gone, but it's fine, whatever. You should ask all these safari places to tell you the stories about lions eating their rangers. They, people die with lions. Lions is not, the devil walks around, around like a roaring lion, hungry, seeking those whom he can devour. So, so let me read it to you again. It says here, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, there are those he can't devour. Seeking whom he can devour, there are some that he can't devour. Make yourself like that last category of person that when the devil looks at you, he finds no room. And when I say give the devil no place, it's actually in the Bible. He says, um, in 1 John 4 verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Um, no, it's another one. It's the next one. Where is it? In Ephesians, actually. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. I didn't, the F verse 27. I cut it right there at verse 27. 4, Ephesians 4, 27. Be angry, do not sin, and let the sun not go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It literally says it like that. Give, nor give place to the devil. Give him no place. He, he walks around like a roaring lion, looking for those whom he may devour. You know who, which one is the easiest target to eat? On a safari, the stupid tourist who thinks it's a cat that you can pet, who is ignorant. No, I know God. I've got this. You're dead, man. You are, I'm strong enough. I can handle that. You're dead. You're dead. I don't need to be so strict. Dead. You have a Japanese guy or a Chinese guy jump into a panda cage to pet the panda. The panda almost ate him. And he only eats leaves, I understand. You don't play with a lion. You have these six-month-old lions that you can pet someplace in, in, in Job or Krugersdorp. I don't think it's wise, but those small six-month-old lions is already becoming dangerous very quickly. Give the devil no place, but we go, uh, 
We've got this. I don't need to study more. I can pass this math exam by just being in class. Not everybody is that gifted. Let's finish the story. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me off, uh, he said, God said, I should not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way. So he went another way and did not return. So at this point, this prophet is still doing his thing. Now, so, so it's easy. I'm going to finish this. It's easy to not be misled by a demon. I mean, if the demon, the Bible does say, even if an angel of light comes to you with a different gospel than this, let him be accursed. Give the devil no place. You, you can't discern that the angel of light, because he covers himself, pretends to be an angel of light to deceive you. And so we look at, we judge people at how they look. You make your judgment about people before they speak based on how they dress. How they comb their hair. You can say much about a person the way they, their hair is washed or not washed. The shoes they've got on, how dirty their shoes are. How, so you make it an observation. So if the angel of light comes, most of us will fall to that because we, we can't measure what he says against scripture because we don't know scripture. Let him be accursed. And so it's easy when you speak a judgment to say that what I've spoken a judgment of, that's sin. But the story doesn't stop there with this young prophet, this unknown prophet, who when he deals with the outside is still easy to deal with. Because it's, 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 it's not difficult for you to discern if you're a Christian who is not a Christian, uh, the places you work, the friends you hang around with, it's easy to see that they are not the same as you. But he goes on, now an old prophet dwelled in Bethel. It's, it's, it's a key thing, this prophet, he goes to Bethel. He goes to Bethel to prophesy against the altar in Bethel of Jeroboam. There's an old prophet in Bethel. Why is he not doing his job? If there is a prophet, why is he not the one at the altar? But God says to this young man, are you still awake enough? Don't pass the same way. Go another route. Go another route. So he came and told... And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. So this young prophet is in the territory of this old prophet. And this old prophet has sons that can tell him what that prophet is doing. Why doesn't this prophet have sons that tells him what the king is doing? You have too many Christians concerned with Christians. Distracted by what other Christians are doing, we should be focused on what God wants us to do. And they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to him, which way did he go? It's amazing. Which way did he go for his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah? So God says, go another way. Don't go back the same way. And yet the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he devour. The lion wasn't the real lion. It was the sons of the prophet's eyes who saw him walk home. Don't think the devil doesn't see what you're doing and where you're walking and how you're maneuvering and how you're planning your day and how you're planning your world and what things get your attention, what things puts a smile on your face and what things uh, get all your resources and what things are you interested in and what books you read or what movies you watch. And he's making a database, collecting information on you. And the son's reports to the father, I saw the way he went, dad. For his sons had seen which way the man of God went from Judas. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and they rode on it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under 
an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God? He found him sitting under an oak. Now, I think there might be something to that. An oak tree is an old tree. An oak tree is an established tree. He's sitting underneath an oak tree. This is, I see this big tree that this man is sitting under. It had to be there. It, it speaks of structure and being in place. And he rests. He finds him. And he went after the man of God. I found him sitting under an oak tree. He found him sitting. God said, go there, prophesy, come home. Don't walk the same way. Don't eat, don't drink, come home. He never told him, sit down. And this roaring lion, the devil, our adversary, is just looking for a gap in your armor. It's just looking for a moment that you're out of line. Now, we, we do serve a God of grace. I'm not telling you, first mistake, God gets you killed. That's not what I'm saying, but pay attention. He, then he said, are you the man of God who came? If he did not sit under an oak tree, the old prophet would never have caught up with this young prophet. If he had fulfilled the command of God to get back to his hometown, you never knew, we never know what the story could have been. But he sits under a tree and, and, and are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, yes, I am. And he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. I wonder why these words don't sound an alarm on a man who just heard God say, don't eat their bread. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I've been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there nor return by going the way that you came. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So we went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And now it happened as they said, how hungry are we for affirmation that we'll exchange obedience at the drop of a hat? The word of God says, don't eat with them. And the moment they are like me, I relax. He says, even if an angel of light comes to you, the devil doesn't come to you always as a dragon or a monster or a demon or as something that you can He sometimes comes to you looking like you in the same direction as you, the same thinking as you. And he hides there in your circles. He hides in your fellowship. He hides in your conversations. And he says to him, I am a prophet just like you. We are like-minded. And the camaraderie forces him to violate the... In, become disobedient to God's word. He so much wants to be, he, he tried so hard, leave, leave the verse up, we're going to finish the story. He, he tried so hard to be obedient to God. He told the king, I can't have fellowship with you. I can't sit down with you. I can't refresh myself because God said no. But the moment the person that entices him becomes like him, he gets confused. It's not always on the outside that the threats are, sometimes on the inside. You are supposed to be obedient to God. God says obedience is better than sacrifice. If he never stopped to rest under the tree and pursued God. So he walks, let's finish the story. Brought him back. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. 
He, and the, he cried out to the man of God from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord. Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you. But you came back, ate bread. You came back. Just pause there. He was busy leaving. He was so close to the finish line. And he turned back. Was it, can we speculate? Was it the fame? Was there something about the miracle that pulled him back? Was there something in the reward that was better than the commissioning God? What caused him to turn back? But because you came back, ate bread, drank water in the place which the Lord said you not to eat water, not drink water, your corpse shall become the tomb of your fathers. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet who had, who, who, whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. What road? He, he says, don't go back the same way. Let's read that. I just want to make sure of something. You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. You shall not return the same way you came. And as he walks out, he goes back on the same route. And on that route was a lion. In his disobedience, a lion sees him. But the lion eats him. The lion would not have eaten him if he was not able to be eaten. He is looking for whom he can devour. Are you giving the devil an open door? Have you got an open wind in your life? Are you in places in your life unaccountable? Are you in your places in your life, your own authority? Do you make the rules? And he did not sit down. So watch this. He dies. Why does he die? Let me answer that question. I'll, I'll end the sermon here. Why does he die? Why does God kill him? How can God use him to make judgment on something and then become disobedient and the same thing that he judges? You can't be... You can't have partnership with that which is demonic and what's evil. It should have been a clue to him that when this prophet in Bethel did not com correct the king, that this prophet could not be sent of God. The Bible says the first time, the, the wrong verse I read to you says, judge all, let, let me read it to you. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets has gone out of the world. So when this prophet says to him, I am like you, how does he know him? Did he read his Facebook? All the people that you allow to speak into your life, have you met them? On, on YouTube specifically educating you, have you met them? Could you follow a track record of them? Have you met their wives, their children? Have you seen their handling of situations? You know they know the word of God. He says, test all spirits. How is it that we don't test all spirits? How is it that we so blindly believe people we haven't met? Just because they say, I am like you. We so in need of that affirmation that we violate all our beliefs. He should have known. Because he didn't know. He is a guy that said, you should not be disobedient, Jeroboam. What you're doing here is wrong. Speaks of judgment. And God brings judgment to that region. He comes and he violates God's word. And at the same thing which he judged, he falls guilty of himself. Does the Bible not say, be careful what you judge. Because that which you judge, that judgment will be used for you as well.
the measure with which you measure will be measured back unto you. Be careful. I think what I'm trying to say to you tonight, uh, this morning, when you hear God's word, be obedient to it. When God tells you something, don't worry about the rest. Don't worry about who you offend. If you speak the truth in love, it's obedient to God, don't, be, don't care to be offensive. Because sometimes in the name of not being offensive, we're opening a window for the enemy. In the name of not making you feel bad, I'd rather be your friend than violate out, have you feel hurt. But at the same time, I'm opening a window for your indoctrination to come into my life. I don't have to be friends with everyone. I don't have to be liked at the office as long as I'm doing my job and doing what I agreed for in a contract to get paid for. But now we want to have that Friday night after the work beer. Not us, some people. You want to have that fellowship and just be one of the guys, but you don't know that one of the guys is a direct violation of what God called you to do. And you're leaving your testimony at that beer encounter. That make any sense this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, we want to be in a place where we pray that heaven would respond. We want to be in a place that when we say Jesus, you would fill our cars immediately with your presence, our homes with your presence, your, our relationships and marriages with your anointing. We want to be in a place where we give no place to the devil, where we say out with the lies and manipulation, out with the confusion. We want to have a place where the presence and the joy and the goodness of God is there. We want to trust you, the God you are every day, every moment, every hour in our hearts and in our minds. We want to give the enemy no place. Father, I thank you that we do live in a dispensation of grace and time of grace, a moment of grace where your grace covers and hides and loves and gives second chances. Where your grace doesn't allow the lion to eat us, although we've stumbled so many times. Thank you, Father, for the story of Balaam's donkey who could stand in the gap for a man who was arrogant and ignorant. In the same way, I pray, thank you for your Holy Spirit that every single time stops us from calamity and fall and failure. Thank you that so many times when we were not looking, the enemy fired a dart at us, a fiery arrow, and your Holy Spirit, without us even being privy to it, stopped it. Thank you for your grace that covers our children where we are not present. Thank you for your grace, Jesus, that guides our cars where we cannot see dangers on the road. If it were not for that, how will we stay standing? Thank you for mercy and grace. Today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.